Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author David Bridricki about his new picture book, Sumo Kitty, due out on August 13 from Charles Bridge, which is sponsoring this podcast. David Bedricki is the author and illustrator of Groundhog's Runaway Shadow, as well as the Breaking News series, the Me and My Dragon series, and the Ace Lacewing Bug Detective series. He has also illustrated many picture books, including the Beetle Alphabet book and Dory Story. His books have earned the Wanda Gog Read Aloud Honor, among other awards. Sumo Kitty tells the story of a stray cat who finds a cushy job catching mice at a sumo training center in Japan. But when eating like a sumo wrestler begins to slow him down, he realizes he must get in shape by training like a sumo too. Thank you for speaking with me, David. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. What led you to write this tale of a feline fighter? Oh, uh, a number of things. Uh, first of all, uh, I got to go to Japan several years ago to uh, to visit schools in Tokyo and Kobe. And the librarian who brought me to the schools uh, was a big fan of sumo wrestling. So that was my first introduction to sumo wrestling. Uh, and then uh, I, I was uh, a couple of years ago, I was sitting on my, my back porch with my neighbor and my cat, uh, Socks, who's pretty good sized cat. He comes down, he plops down right next to us. And he, he kind of had like a pear shape to him because he, he, you know, he, he, he's probably about uh, 20 pounds at the time. So he comes down, he plops down right in front of us. And my, my neighbor looks at me and says, Dave, he's starting to look like a sumo wrestler. <laughs> and blink, I got this idea. So I, I drew a couple pictures of a, of, uh, of a cat with a washing on it, which is the, uh, the loincloth that the sumo wrestlers wear. And uh, when I started doing my uh, uh, school visits that year, I had a time-lapse video of the drawing being created uh, on my iPad, and I would show it to the students. And they immediately took to it. They just thought it was just the funniest-looking thing. So uh, it got me inspired to write a story. And, uh, you know, it was kicking around in my head for a, a couple of years. I, I finally sat down and started reading a lot about sumo wrestlers, uh, watching sumo wrestling tournaments on YouTube um, and just reaching out to a number of people who were experts in the field. And before I knew it, I had kind of like a, a outline for a story. I showed it to my publisher and they went with it. And uh, uh, the rest is uh, coming out in uh, August 13th. So uh, that's, that's pretty much how the whole thing happened. Your pencil and watercolor illustrations, beginning even with the end papers, pay homage to Japanese art traditions. What kinds of visual research did you do to create that aesthetic? Um, well, I, uh, I looked at a lot of um, Japanese uh, prints, uh, a lot of Japanese woodcuts and, and prints. Uh, they're, you know, from like the 18th century, there's some beautiful, beautiful uh, Japanese printmaking being done. And uh, I looked at some of the, uh, uh, you know, really good uh, artists back then who were making the prints. And I just loved the, the quality of the line work that they did, the, uh, the, the colors, the, the way that they would lay the colors down and, and the, um, uh, the contrast that they would create by doing the prints. And I decided 
you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do something that's got a, a Japanese or Asian flavor to it, I, I I want my artwork to look like that. So I, I took the time to study uh, their drawings. I, I took time to you know uh, redo my style. Um, some of it is in watercolor. Some of it is in uh, pencil. Uh, a lot of it is digital. Uh, there's a app that I use uh, called uh, Procreate. And uh, it lends itself to, um, you know, uh, in pretty much any type of line work or any type of color that you, you want to use. So I started using that with a combination of uh, watercolor and, and pencil. But it was definitely the, uh, the Japanese and the Asian artists who influenced me uh, to, to create the artwork like that. In terms of the language, Japanese vocabulary and sumo terms are peppered throughout the text rather than in a separate glossary. Can you talk about how you landed on that dynamic approach? Uh, it, it, I, I got to give my editor credit on that. You know, um, uh, when I'm working on a book, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of back and forth with, you know, the, the layout of the page, the way that uh, the whole story is going to be designed. And uh, we needed something uh, throughout the story just to uh, almost like a glossary of some of the terms. And she was really instrumental in, in helping me uh, put it uh, put it down on paper where the you know where you have the text telling the story, but you have like these little nuggets of information that are uh, uh, hit you know t throughout the uh, the story. And uh, I, I think she did a wonderful job putting that together. So I have to I have to give a shout out to my editor uh, Alyssa Pusey for uh, for coming up with that and and, and, and putting that in, into the story. I also worked with another editor too, who um, who helped me uh, initially when I was writing the story to help me uh, uh, create the flow of the story and add like little dialogue and and just transitions that really, really helped me. And uh, her name is Gina Shawn, and I'm uh, forever in debt to her, too, for, for helping me put the, uh, you know, the, the story together. Have you worked with those editors previously? Yes, I've uh, worked with Alyssa for, uh, I think, probably about five or six books right now. Uh, Gina Shaw, I worked uh, with her. Um, uh, she, she used to be a um, editor at Scholastic and uh, years ago I was doing a number of books with Scholastic and she was the editor and I always enjoyed her energy and her um, uh, what could I say her inspiration and uh, she's she's one of my biggest cheerleaders so I just I really really love working with her she's she's really great and she's like uh, I could you know if you if you think of a movie and you're, you're watching uh, watching it but there's a soundtrack that comes in and it's like these violins and like little sweeteners of music that's uh, that's kind of what Gina does. She comes in and she she has like little touches of of um, of words and of transitions that really make the story uh, come together very well. And I, uh, I'm forever indebted to her. Back to the subject of research, I saw in your bio that you joined the U.S. Sumo Federation while working on the book. What was that experience like? <laughs> well, it's basically a newsletter that they put out. I, I didn't really go and wrestle anybody uh, oh, okay. <laughs> in my 60s, so it's probably not going to be very good if I go out there and wrestle with anybody, you know, bigger than like my cat or something like that. But I did, uh, I did join the, uh, you know, their newsletter and, uh, um, I also, uh, there's a YouTube channel that I, I subscribe to, and uh, the person who runs the YouTube channel, uh, his name is Jason Harris, and he's, he's originally from California, but he's a, um, uh, he's a teacher in Japan. And what he does is, uh, on his YouTube, YouTube channel, he records 
all of the sumo wrestling tournaments. The, the they're called bashas, and he's been doing it now for years and years and years. So he's a real uh, he's a real expert as far as uh, sumo wrestling goes. So I reached out to him. Uh, he was very kind. He got back to me in the email. We even uh, skyped back and forth a couple of times, and uh, you know he explained things to me about sumo wrestling. I showed him the manuscript and some of the sketches I was working on just to make sure that what I was putting in the book wasn't going to be offensive to uh, the sumo wrestling uh, sport at all. I really wanted to stay um, respectful of that. Uh, I wanted the book to have humor, but I didn't want the humor to, you know, to denigrate uh, the sumo wrestling sport because it's been around for a long time. Uh, and I just, uh, I have a lot of respect for the wrestlers. I just want to make sure that anything that I put down in the book, any, any drawings or something that, you know, that I wouldn't feel would be disrespectful. I, w I wanted to know from, from an expert if it, if it was going to be. So Jason Harris was uh, just really, really terrific in helping me out with that too. Proverbs and shared wisdom play an important role in the relationship between Sumo Kitty and his mentor Kuma. What kinds of lessons or messages do you hope readers will glean from the book? Oh, that's a great question. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, it's almost like a parallel of my life in the arts, I think, of, of being an illustrator is to uh, never give up. Uh, you know, fall down seven times, but get up eight. That's a, uh, I think the, uh, the Chinese have, well, were the ones who, who came up with that saying, but it's been adopted by, uh, by the Japanese too. And that's like uh, never giving up, you know, having perseverance in what you do. Um, and that's, that's pretty much served me well. So uh, that's probably one of the biggest messages in the book, uh, I, would, uh, I would deem. Um, also, too, with, you know, as far as the sayings go, I wanted, I was something, I wanted something at the beginning of the story uh, said that would kind of circle around, you know, that would come around at the end and kind of close the story, almost make it complete. And, uh, you know, fall down seven times, get up eight. That was the, the message that I wanted to, uh, to portray in this story. Never, never give up. You know, if you fall down, get back up and do what you have to do. That seems like a fitting motto for a cat that has nine lives. <laughs> yeah, maybe it should be fall down uh, eight times, get up nine or something. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw that you visit more than 100 schools a year to connect with young readers. Do you have any trips coming up? Yeah, actually, I got uh, uh, I got quite a few this upcoming year. Um, this, this past school year, I visited 106 uh, schools throughout the country. Uh, this, uh, this coming year, it's probably going to be right around that, or maybe even a little bit more. Um, I get a lot of energy from visiting schools. Um, you know, when you, when you have your audience in front of you and, uh, you have a story in your heart that you want to, uh, to show them, you, you want to uh, show it to them and have them be as excited as you are about the story. And, uh, that's when I really know if I, if I've, if I've hit something big with the story, I, uh, I show, I do little test marketing when I'm, when I'm showing students, I show them ideas that I'm thinking about turning into a story into the future. I show them drawings. I show them, uh, little progressions of stories. And, uh, I find, I find it invaluable to do that, to, to actually stand up in front of them and see the reaction. I mean, you, you can't get that by working in your office or your studio all the time. You know, when you're out there and you know, you're, you're opening your heart to a story that you really, really love and you have a passion for, and you see 
you see it connecting with them, that makes you feel really good. <laughs> and then sometimes when you don't see it connecting too, you say, oh, you know what? I got to go back to the drawing table. <laughs> I got to go back to my uh, computer and write a better story. So I, fi I find the uh, uh, visiting schools to be very, uh, very rewarding. And I also feel like I, I impart something to the students too. I, I show them, you know, things that I did when I was their age. I talk about taking an idea and, you know, not giving up on it, having a passion for an idea and turning it into a story. And that's, that's something I think that um, I really try to leave behind is the, the process that you go through to, to create a story and to create something that's really going to have meaning to it. And uh, it takes a while, you know, it's, a lot of times it's, it's not done overnight. It's not done over a week. It's not done over a month. It may even take a year or so. But those are the things that I show students in, you know, how I create my stories too. And it, I also show them too how I, how I draw my pictures too. I have a, um, uh, I bring my laptop with me. I have a graphic tablet. I create uh, artwork right in front of them. I show them how a, um, how a, a drawing comes together uh, by some of the apps that I've used. You know, like, uh, like I, I use Procreate every once in a while. And the Procreate app makes a uh, time-lapse video of what you're drawing. So I show those as little movies behind me as I'm, as I'm describing something to the students. So, uh, it's, it's very educational. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good program. I'm always learning, but it's a symbiotic relationship. I get something from them and the students get something from me. In addition to meeting with students, from where do you tend to draw your creative inspiration? That is a very good question. Uh, a lot of things, uh, you know, uh, once I have an idea uh, for a story, I do, I do research, you know, like, uh, right now I'm, I'm working on a book about a gorilla. <laughs> and so I've been, I've been researching a lot about gorillas. I've been, uh, I've been reading a couple books on them. I also been looking at YouTube videos. I've been, I picked up a little model of a, of a gorilla. Uh, you know, I've been drawing my gorilla many, many times. Uh, so I, I, I get a lot of inspiration from reading. Um, music gives me a lot of inspiration. Uh, usually if I'm thinking through a story uh, or a progression of a story, what I do is I slap on my headphones and I go for a walk for maybe about an hour, an hour and a half. And I play like this uh, meditative music that, you know, uh, there's no, there's no vocals to it. It's just basically music. And as I'm walking, you know, I could, I could really kind of hash through some of the, um, uh, uh, some of the issues I might have with the story. So the, that's something that inspires me. It's music, reading, and also just talking to, uh, just talking to students too. The, the, those are some, some things that really inspire me uh, when I'm, when I'm creating a story, seeing their reaction to, uh, to what I've been, uh, uh, what I've been doing. In terms of your process, does it typically happen where you'll get an idea for a character like Sumo Kitty and then go from there? Yeah, yeah. Usually my, uh, my stories are character driven. So I come up with the character, uh, I draw them a couple times, and then I, I build a story around it. And it happened with Sumo Kitty. It happened with uh, Ace Lacewing Boat Detective. Uh, it's happening with, uh, uh, with a, a book that I'm working on right now called Disco Gorilla. So yeah, I would say most of the time, uh, my, my ideas do start off with a character, and then I build a story around it. Well, congratulations on the new book, and thanks so much for speaking with me. Thank you so much for, uh, for doing this interview, and uh, I uh, hope you'll get around to reading the book when it comes out. Once again, I've been speaking with David Bedricki about his new book, Sumo Kitty. 
due from Charles Bridge on August 13. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. <laughs>